Welcome to episode 145 of the McSauce Comic Book Podcast. My name is Paul McGinty. With me, as always, are Matt Cassell. That's me. And Ian Sharpley. Hello. It is Monday night, March 21st, and tonight we're going to talk about your gateway book into comic books. Uh, a buddy of mine and Matt's uh, was asking us a couple weeks ago. He's interested in getting into some some Marvel comics and just some comics in general. And he was asking our general opinion on what he should pick up first. And Matt and I's light bulbs went off and we thought, hey, what a great idea for an episode of the podcast. Because we are always focused on the podcast at McSauce. So tonight we're each going to talk a little bit about what what books we would offer up to a new reader. The what, gateway drug, it's like marijuana. Take a hit of this book, just kid. Just a little, little pot tonight. A little pot tonight, maybe in a couple weeks, we'll introduce you to the harder stuff. Yeah. We Get you it. all strung Let's out. rails on the podcast. Pretty soon you're just going to be, just another Rob Liefeld book. Come on, baby. <laughs> Before we get into any of that Rob Liefeld book, baby, we're going to do housekeeping with Ian Sharpley. Something that's not like uh, Rob Liefeld, crack cocaine, McSauce.com. It seems like it's uh, you can wean yourself off of McSauce.com very easily. Can you? Uh, I don't know. I don't really know. I'm addicted to it. That's all I can say. I think it's... I think it's pretty hardcore yeah once you get in it gets it gets in you it doesn't look good. that's true we have handcrafted web comics just like your grandpappy used to read back in the day artisanal artisanal comic reviews and homemade podcasts created with no additives or preservatives you can follow us on all the social media outlets facebook instagram twitter tumblr you can listen to the podcast via stitcher itunes podomatic and for the old classic episodes, mcsaucepodcast.libsyn.com. And I wanted to give a shout out while we're talking about podcasting. Our friend Larry Ganny over at the Guest Room Podcast gave us a shout out this past week on his show. If there's anything that we love more than talking about ourselves, it's when other, pe other people talk about us. Other people talking about us and telling us how great we are. Larry broke down some of his favorite podcasts, and lo and behold, we're one of them. We're one of his favorites. So he had a lot of great recommendations on the show. Presidential, a weekly rundown of this nation's presidents. I loved it. So go check that out as well. But the top... <laughs> I, wish, I wish rolling my eyes made noise. <laughs> <laughs> but really, if you're going to take one of his recommendations, listen to our show. And we like to give a shout out back to him so follow the guest room podcast uh, you can find it at the guest room podcast.libson.com you can also follow him on facebook i believe he has a twitter handle and uh is, is he on instagram or tumblr or any of that other instagram shit instagram or tumblr but he is at the guest room podcast on I, twitter i believe so i'd look it up but i don't need any distractions uh, <laughs> So, yeah. That's, that's See, Matt also wants his eye roll to make noise, right? I thought it did actually. <laughs> it might have picked up. Let's see. It wasn't my recommendation. It was, it was Larry's recommendation. I thought it was great. That's all. I know. I know you did. So which one of you wants to go first and tell the audience... What book they should pick up if it's going to be the first one. Why don't book. you go first? Bro? You're very prepared to focus today. Laser sharp. I will go first. Now, I have a question before we get into it. Yeah, okay, go ahead. I was going to say, when you're making a recommendation to somebody, what's the most important thing? Is it the characters? Is it the writer? Is it the art? Is it a general theme? What do you take into consideration when somebody asks you for a comic book recommendation? It needs to be a good, accessible story. I'm not going to tell anyone, oh, go read Old Man Logan. Because if you're not a comic book reader, if you're not familiar with that world, a lot of what's great about that story, which is seeing all the Marvel characters that you know and love in this crazy post-apocalyptic world, that's it's not going to have that... It's not going to carry that heft mm -hmm. when you read it, because you're not, you're not going to know who that is. 
you're not going to drop someone into secret wars. Um, so the I joy of those stories is the interaction and the the rich history of all those characters and how they interplay. Exactly. With each other. Same same with uh, Crisis on on Infinite Earths. Those you know the other great comic book stories for veteran comic book readers and you know newbies can work up to that and eventually you learn to love those stories. But Ground Floor, easily accessible, good story. Yeah, like what belt would you give a newbie? Like you know, if it, if it was karate, karate. <laughs> what's a what's a what's to tie a tie their gi with? Their comic gi. <laughs> How awesome would it be? It would have all the different panels all over the place. I'd love it. But would would the belt be like? Would it be a color or would the it belt be would panels? have to be a color? Since you're... would the belt just be like faces of a character? Like maybe oh, maybe that's a, that's a thought. Maybe your first belt is just Peter Parker. Mm. Ground level, pretty not, spider bite. Not not Spider Man at all. Just some dork. We gotta get there. Uh, we gotta get there. We're just entering the world, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Surface level. You work up to. Might even be Archie's head. You know, you put that on there. Like uh, on the knot. Yeah, yeah. It, I'm thinking of this so, as like a bell bottom. This isn't okay, functional. Colored, you can't do like colored, <laughs> comic book karate colored, with this. Colored belt with a Archie belt buckle. Right. Why Archie though? I, I think we because he, he's like the, that's what it's sort of like in kung fu where the colored sashes change. So you'll have an Archie sash, if you will. Because he's like kid friendly, beginners, one of the original comic book characters, right? You know. I suppose. And then by the time you get up to more adult oriented, you would have a a more loon belt. <laughs> Deep cut, son. I don't think he's getting his own belt. You don't think? More loon? No. I well, don't who think. do you who do you think would be the the next the step? black belt of oh, comic book? Boy, like you're the dorkiest fucker on earth. What's more loon? See? He doesn't have his more loon belt. Right. We don't. Not all of us have that belt yet. Yeah. What, what more loon was the vampire in the Straczynski... Oh, Morlin. Oh, okay. We're doing pronunciation Megan, now. Megan. Whatever. The, the vampire from... <laughs> Morlin. 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 All right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm... <laughs> Shit. I got two... <laughs> I don't know. Let's not get into the minutia. I have no idea what the, the belt would the be. The old... Gateway drugs for comic book, for newbie comic book fans. There were two of them. This goes all the way back until maybe about five, ten years ago. I argue, I argue that these were never gateway books. They should never have been gateway books. But they were. They were the, these were considered the quintessential comic book experiences for anyone that didn't take comics seriously. Like anyone that said, you can't take comics seriously... They're not legit literature. People would say, oh yeah, well read Watchmen by Alan Moore or read The Dark Knight Returns by Frank Miller. And maybe, am I wrong here, Ian, but maybe Sin City for a little bit? Or is that not inaccurate? Um, I think that's, that's a stretch. I might even argue, and this is a deep cut, uh, Swamp Thing. A lot of people would say, this is not your kid's hero. Check this out. It's so much more cerebral than you would expect from a comic book. Maybe maybe even more than any of these. The the one that uh, you might find on, um, like even in schools, I think was Mouse Mm -hmm. by somebody. Somebody wrote it. Paul, who wrote Mouse? M-A-U-S. I know the book you're talking about. Uh, I, I don't remember. You know the book. What's it about? It. Um, it's about the. It's a retelling of the author's father's escape from Nazi Germany. Right. Is it's dense. It's really fucking good. That's a book that, since I started reading comics, I think even probably before I was reading comics, like I've heard about that book, mm-hmm. and just just the, the history and the weight that comes with that book. And I was like, how how good is this gonna be? It's black and white, you know, it's mice and cats and, you know, anthropom- anthropomorphic animals. But I read it and I feel like it gave me a, it gave me a much better understanding of <clears throat> World, World, World War II 
and the plight of Jews in Poland and Germany and everything that they went through, more so than something like Schindler's List did. Like, this really... The way the author tells the story from such a personal point of view, it is really powerful. Well, the the book Mouse was actually by a a writer and artist named Art Spiegelman. That's right. And uh, it came out in 1991. It's, It's a big book. It's... Oh, you know what? No, I, I, that was a, a more recent publication, originally 1980, uh, and um, it, it's a big book. It's almost 300 pages of, uh, of sequential art, so it's, it's a lot. I think that the argument or the, the convincing that you have to do that happened maybe back in the 90s or early 2000s of convincing somebody that comic books are a serious art form that has great storytelling is different than what you're trying to do now. I think the general masses understand that there are complex stories out there that are told through comic books and you don't need to make, this is serious. See how serious this is? Look at The Watchmen. Look at Dark Knight Returns. It's a very serious thing. But this isn't what, like capes and tights and silly bullshit. Well, Dark Knight Returns had capes and tights, but your point but is... But it wasn't. They, they weren't silly capes. They were serious They were serious capes. capes and tights. But what's the common thread in all these? There's kind of a serious element to it. There's a... a noir There's a more mature kind of bent to it. Like, it takes itself much more seriously than, you know, your, your Stan Lee Spider-Man story or something like that. And that was always kind of the stigma that comic books had. That's why for years and years and years they were never taken seriously as any kind of literature. They were just kind of like pulpy, cheeseball, throwaway stories. That's why nobody collected them as if they were stories of any value. That's why nobody has an Amazing Fantasy 15 in their attics. Well, maybe they do. Few people do, I think, but they're worth a lot of money. When you see old news clippings of kids back in the 50s and 40s trading comic books and rolling them up and putting in them in their, their back pockets, they were such a disposable medium. And you mentioned Spider-Man. I would think that the Batman TV show had more of a stigma that resonated throughout the decades yeah. than, than Spider-Man. And that was the thing that the medium was fighting against for so long. And now it's not fighting against any of that. People have accepted, yeah, 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 I get it. You can tell serious stories. Now what you're doing is trying to recommend things that are, as you said, Paul, accessible, relatable, and fun. Just fucking fun stories to read. So now that we've set the the groundwork, me and Matt have talked a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Paul, what are your recommendations? That's a great point about how the... Uh, the perspective that people are coming into comics and the, that the people are coming into now is way different because now it's like cool to read comics and now it's, it's cool to get into that shit so you don't need to do that hard sell right um, but I think then as well as now it needs to be just needs to be a good accessible story right. um, yeah if, if you want to look through a certain writer or artist's catalog and you know pick certain stuff out of there that's fine but i think if you even stumble across like the only good story or one writer did but that's a really good story go with that that's not what i'm gonna pick you're not gonna pick a really good story i'm gonna pick a really good story but i'm gonna pick a story from a very talented writer and artist team who have uh, quite a lot of high-profile work. I'd like to, to think we all came to the table with very talented writers and artists, but... I thought it wasn't what I meant. I didn't mean, you know, whenever you guys roll your Todd McFarlane out here, I wasn't going to First of all, do a silent We're not going to do that. We're not going to do that, so how dare you. Second of all, I love battle podcasting. I love that. We can't just have a fucking conversation. We have to challenge each other. I, I enjoy it. I've been listening to, um, this is slightly off topic, I've been listening to ESPN's NHL podcast, and the three guys that are on it, the last three weeks, they've been a, a little aggressive with each other. Like, more so, I've been listening to it for a couple years. Now, more so do, than us? Do you listen while we record here? <laughs> I, do, I do not. No. Uh, but they, they've been a little a little aggressive with each other, more, more so than usual, and I've really been enjoying it. So, yeah, I'm, I'm all in for Battle Podcast. I love the Dukes. 
Yeah. I do. Yeah. I like it here on this show, and I like it in other shows. <laughs> I love that uncomfortable tension on radio shows when you have people kind of like getting pissy with each other that aren't supposed to be. It's like, dude, you're on the radio. You're supposed to get along and tell that company line. Yeah. Here on the McSauce Comic Book Podcast, we don't get paid, so we can hate each other all we want. Larry's his pitch for our show is... It's like a bickering menage a trois. A snarky bickering snarky, menage a trois. Yeah, which we're snarky and bickering, but I don't remember us fucking each other, so maybe <laughs> he has some inside information. We're only 145 ups in. <laughs> Paul, what, what's the comic book that you're going to give to somebody that says to you, I'm kind of sh- interested in getting into comics. What do you recommend? What's the one book you hand them? Batman, The Long Halloween. What is that? Tell, tell the listeners what that is. Written by Jeff Loeb, who has tons of TV credits, tons of Marvel and DC credits. He's written a lot of stuff. Uh, Teen lot Wolf. Of, a lot of really yeah, good he, stuff. He yeah, he wrote Teen Wolf. He did. Um, and the artist is Tim Sale, who's paired up with Jeff Loeb on a lot of different projects. Right. They've done uh, a lot of different books for DC. They've done a series of uh, color-themed books for Marvel, like Spider-Man Blue and Daredevil Yellow. And each of their stories is really accessible. They're always out of continuity. It's not like you need to read 600 issues of <clears throat> some story to understand where their book's coming from. Um, I actually gave this book to Larry Ganny of the Guest Room Podcast a while ago to read. Um, <clears throat> he thought it was all right. I, I don't think Larry is a comic guy. I don't think comics are the medium for him. Um, but Batman the Long Halloween tells... Your basic Batman story. Uh, it's about Batman going up against the crime fam, the mob crime families of Gotham, also going up against the freaks of Gotham: Joker, Riddler, uh, Two Face. So, you know, Batman, Jim Gordon, and Harvey Dent are in the middle trying to keep the mob and you know this new upspring of you know freaks and weirdos, freaks and weirdo criminals, uh, separate. And the crux of the story is someone's killing off different members of these mob families on every holiday throughout a whole year. It goes from Halloween to Halloween. And you get all the classic Batman villains, Mr. Freeze, Joker, uh, Killer Croc, Solomon Grundy. And you get to see uh, the Falcone crime family, the Moroni crime family. You get to see Harvey Dent before he becomes Two-Face. They really build the relationship between Batman, Gordon, and Harvey. Each issue, each issue was like the month that it would come out featured the holiday of that month, which I thought was actually kind of cool. Like it was almost happening semi in real time. Did you get that whenever it was coming out in single issues, Matt? I I, did. I got it after the fact whenever it was out in just hardback form. Yeah, I have the singles for that one. I remember I read it as it went. Um, but go ahead, Paul. It gives you... It's very accessible. Um, it's, it's a Batman story with all Batman's rogues. Um, if you're interested in getting into comics, chances are you know who all of these characters are already. Mm-hmm. You know Gotham City. You know the location. Uh, you know the tone that this book's going to be set in. Um, and it's just a really good murder mystery story yeah i would agree i I like i think that mysteries and murder mysteries in particular are kind of like not that common in comic books especially not with like um mainstream characters although you know it's kind of cool to see batman doing detective stuff although my big issue with the long halloween is the ending i think it's ambiguous at best um and, and the storytelling was so tight up until that ending because th- it threw you off because you're like, who's the killer? Who's the killer? Nothing added up. And the ending to me, I'm going to, can I spoil it? I'm not going to spoil it because you know what? For you newbies out there that might want to check it out, I what I want to just say though is that I don't think that it felt kind of cheap. It almost felt like a cheap way to end it. For being such a good story up until the ending, and I, I'll leave it at that. I will. I will say, um, without spoiling it, because I, I do think everyone should read this book. Um, I, from a story perspective, from a storytelling and writing perspective, I can understand your point of view. Um, but from 
from a real life point of view, like some some stuff's gonna happen. And like I understand the way I understand the way everything everything wraps up. And this book also has some sentimental value for me. Uh, I didn't get into comics till two thousand one. I was a late bloomer myself. And this was really the first. Like I, I, I love the animated series, Batman the animated series, and I started buying animated series related comics. But it was all animated series tone, and you know it was always you know kind of kid friendly and lighthearted. And the Long Halloween hardback was the first real comic book that was a comic book. This wasn't an adaptation. This was a comic and a comic all its own. Um, it was the first one that I bought, and uh, that was really what opened me up to this larger world and the slippery slope and now I'm I'm deep. I always love that you're the first hero that you're really into was Batman. You I remember you videotaping the Batman the animated series <clears throat> and like you said, when we would go down to the comic book shop you would get Batman Adventures and I'm like, oh yeah, that's <laughs> Really, that's super cute, buddy. Um, I hate your guts. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's funny now to see you turn so hard on Batman and just hate his guts. It's it's come around in such a full circle. Well, one one last note on on the long Halloween, and this probably has to do more with where I am personally regarding superhero and even 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 like television storytelling. What's really great about this book is that it's a really tight personal story uh you know arm these they're not trying to stop armageddon you know they're not trying to stop an army of chitari invaders from outer space he's just trying to solve this these serial killer murders mm -hmm. and it's just, it's a really tight intimate story and i i want to see more of that stuff yeah the fate of the universe doesn't need to be on the line all the time yeah i agree i i prefer that kind of storytelling anyway usually those are better stories um just by increasing the scope and grandeur of the story does not not only does it not automatically make it better it usually makes it worse um it, it's kind of unfortunate that some of today's best writers don't seem to get that you can still have those stories that tell big grand epic things you know universe collapsing stories and still have a personal perspective on it as well. It's not impossible. That's true. That's true. Which one of you fine gentlemen would like to go next and offer up a book? I'll go next. Go for it, Ian. My my recommendation is actually... To read that off a card? <laughs> no, that was right off the card. It, it sounded like you had so to, natural. It sounded like you had to check the card to see what my... Go for it. Ian, <laughs> my recommendation. Was that Moorlin or what did you call him? Morlin. Mor 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 Isn't that Morlin? Mor I thought it was Morlin. I don't know. I I could talk be wrong. amongst yourselves. We'll get to the. Uh, anyway, my recommendation actually is said book about Chitari invasion, The Ultimates by Brian Miller or Millar or Morlun. Brian Morlun. Mark Millar. Mark, Mark. Brian Hitch. Mark Millar. Brian Hitch. Maybe it is Morlun. I thought it was more loon. I think it's I always said more loon. More loon. More loon. I don't know. The Ultimates. It was the Ultimate Universe. It was the reboot of the Marvel Universe. See, but all you can't you can't start there. But because why? Already, that's just say. But you this can't is, start there. This is a good Marvel story. Done. Because as soon as you tell someone this is the reboot of the blah 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 blah. No 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 no. To, no. to the this, new Archie Gee wearing. Comic fan. Hey, Archie. It's, it's, you're already putting them off. No, I don't think so. Hey, Archie fan, you saw the Avengers, didn't you? Yeah, I did, because everybody on Earth saw it. Well, do you want to know where the inspiration for some of these things comes from? It comes from the Ultimates. It comes from yes. Mark Millar's cinematic vision of the Avengers. And that's your pitch right there, without anything about the rebooted Marvel Universe and blah blah blah. Well thank that you for pitch th is thank the one you to for go with. thank you for letting me refine my pitch. Once again folks well, Matt, Battle you, Podcast. Matt, would you agree with me? He wasn't paying attention. I was, I was, so you can't ask oh. him. I'll get back to you on that. But you under you you understand what I mean. Yes, I understand what okay. you mean. I don't mean to be battle podcast. Battle podcast.
the Ultimates is the story of the Avengers and how the Avengers formed. It starts off as more of a personal one-on-one story where you get to go through each individual Avenger and you get to find out, you get to see Captain America unthawed from the ice and see that he's a man out of time. You get to see Tony Stark and Dr. Banner kind of wrestling with his own inner demons. The first arc kind of takes you through. Um, the Hulk stuff in that book is heartbreaking. It, it builds the team around going after the Hulk and stopping the Hulk as he is rampaging through New York City. The thing that I, I think is accessible about this, which is something that you mentioned before, is an important thing for recommendations, is accessible because at this point in pop culture, everybody knows who the Avengers are. This is just a sort of different spin on these characters. It's almost, while not being an adaptation because it came first, it is the source material for some of the ways that the modern cinematic characters are held in in pop culture. Do you know what year this is from? 2001? Is that right? No, it's 2002. I would have thought more like 05, but like, holy cow, it's like pretty old. It's 15 years old, pretty much. Yeah, the I mean, like I mentioned, the story, it's it's really cinematic. It's a little more grown up than some of the it's Marvel. It's incredibly cin- I mean, Marvel basically modeled their movie after, after this, this. I, when they cast uh when they nick cast fury. nick fury they modeled it after the well, ultimate version which was modeled after samuel L. jackson right there's even a bit in this first storyline how nick fury if he would if he were to be played in a movie samuel l jackson would play him that's actually in the comic and I, then that came to pass in real life kind of weird i even think that while this has a cinematic cinematic bend to it it takes it a little more mature than some of these marvel disney movies do there are some serious issues that pop up in these books a wasp gets brutally beaten by ant-man in these books and then and then ant-man gets brutally beat by captain america who is the most despicable character this side of uh women beaters and doesn't doesn't Bruce Banner destroy the city for uh, Betty. Doesn't he inject himself or something for Betty, but he winds up like murdering something like people? that. Something like he, that. And you it really feel the weight of the fact that he tears the city apart and there are repercussions for his deeds and they have to hide the Hulk and the whole next arc <clears throat> is about them trying to deal with all of the the fallout from that. It's a really there's a lot of serious tones in the regular Marvel Universe, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch, it's a little hinted at, and it's funny tongue-in-cheek that there, you know, there might be some incest business going on. In the Ultimates, they pretty much go for that. They let they you know. fuck. They totally spell out that they are fucking. The widescreen storytelling of Brian Hitch feels like a movie. It looks like a translation from the screen. People are always asking after they come out of the movies, what is the next thing that I, what what can I go and read at the comic shop that replicates what I just saw on screen? And I think that the Ultimates is the next best thing. It's even better because it's an, a completely original story told before any of these Marvel characters hit the silver screen from somebody in Mark Millar who was kind of building his cinematic chops on these books and he went on to do films kick-ass um kingsman wanted so he was all he already had an eye and a knack for this kind of storytelling the the theatrical storytelling that everybody's eating up now i think that that is what people want to see in their comic book heroes ultimates is is a pretty direct adaptation Mm -hmm. i think yeah, it's a it's a great story. When that came out, uh, it was it was so different. I don't like using the word fresh, but it was uh, you know compared to what was going on in the regular Marvel. So, what universe. would you call the Prince of Bel Air? You know, if you don't like well, using the word he's fre- fresh. Oh, okay. But that's that's what I reserve my freshness for. Royalty of Bel Air. Yeah, the Ultimate's great. You know. Great call, and it has it's all your, all your Marvel Cinematic U fun, with you know out, 
just the adult version. In the same way that everybody knows who Two-Face and Catwoman and the Joker are, I think that there's that knowledge of these characters now in pop yep. culture where you don't have to do a lot of explaining. You can jump right in and shit, people know who Hawkeye is and people know who the Wasp is at this point. So you don't have to do a lot of explaining. I don't feel that they that Mark Millar over-explains it. You can just jump right into that universe. Agreed. Yeah, I agree with that. Something that I'm noticing uh, is that you guys, both of your picks have uh, writing styles that are very much to the point. There's not uh, all this unnecessary exposition. The story is told through dialogue um, and pretty punchy dialogue at that. And then I'm looking at the list that I have and mine are all the same. So like I've got The Walking Dead as, as my first pick to get people interested in comics. Like if I was going to hand someone a comic book I feel like that is the one and that's before the show ever started I would have shown somebody this because the first I, trade yeah because I think that there really aren't many comic books out there in fact there might not be any comic books out there in my opinion that get right to it the way that this story does and holy cow it is like one of the fastest it, it's it can be heavy with dialogue because Kirkman, while he does write a briskly paced story, does sometimes write a lot of dialogue. Um, I've noticed it maybe more in uh, some of his other books, but even in The Walking Dead, there's a little bit of, uh, um, I don't know, soapboxism, where certain characters uh, kind of go off on um, these weird uh, speech type treatments or whatever but um in the walking dead that story goes from like zero to 60 in three seconds i mean it picks up fast and it constantly goes and it constantly changes and throws you off and and you grow to care about these characters in a way that that very few comics can do. One of the really great things is this is a brand new story. You don't need to have any comics history to get into it at all. You don't need to know who Batman is. You don't need to know who the Avengers are. This is like, all you gotta do is know what people are and then you can relate. Um, and it, it's just, I've literally shown this comic book to people that don't read comics and they wanna read more and they wanna read more and more. And uh, to me, that like the proof is right there in the pudding. That's the one that can like totally get people hooked. I've got a few other on my list, but this one is the main one. Um, I don't. I, I this would be the one that I would show anybody that wants to get into comics. Anyone that's interested in sequential art, check this out. I have as a, a bullet point of what I was looking for. Straightforward, that's something that you mentioned. Timeless. I think that The Walking Dead is timeless. It's a timeless kind of story that you can tell throughout. Um, relatable, which is another word that we've been bringing up. It, it, I think another thing that's important is it's, it's a summary or of what comics can be. It's, it's more than what you would expect them to be. And The Walking Dead, for its so, it sort of... Um, simplistic and basicness in the amount of dialogue the lack of color it's all gray washes mm -hmm. i think that it it with with all those things boiled down to the essence of great storytelling be it through illustration or the dialogue or the actual plot it's it's just a great story and this is what you Absolutely. can this is what you can get from this medium yeah and and that's those are the things that i would recommend yep. things that that when you read it you say oh wow i never knew that comic books could be this great or that they could be different from what i thought they were totally it transports you like that's what we want all stories to do to transport you into another reality or another world but the, the thing that's different about the walking dead is it literally transports you. You are now 
putting yourself in the position of being in the in the zombie apocalypse. Like you can relate to that. You can almost picture yourself exactly in this reality. More so than anything else that we're probably going to talk about tonight. This is the one that you're just like, oh shit. Because these, these characters seem to react in a realistic way, but yet an interesting way to progress the story. Um, nothing ha ever felt too over the top uh, that it was like unbelievable, but at the same time it never felt too believable to be dull. Like it, it struck this perfect balance and well, I'm severely behind on it, but it seems to, at least up to when I read, and it still did, um, it, it's just so good. The only, the only way I wouldn't recommend this is if I know someone's a little squeamish or they can't handle the swearing or whatever, so obviously I wouldn't recommend this podcast to them, but I also wouldn't recommend The Walking Dead either. Uh, I forgot Morgan was in this first trade. Yeah, yeah, I haven't. I haven't read this since it came out. I've actually yeah. been thinking lately that, and I want to go back and maybe, if at least, maybe not just this first one, but maybe the first, the comic the first book. Few. And I, when I would read them, when I used to read them as singles, but I've since dedicated myself to reading them in huge, like um, binge type reading, uh, sessions. Sessions. That's the word. Um, I would blow through one issue in like five minutes, and then I'd be like, "Wait, where's I'm more? I need more." Yeah. That's what's so good about having the catalog and yeah. not having to wait, you know, another six months and, or another month for the next book. Um, and that's just the thing, though that that people that would get into comics today. This is why a book like The Walking Dead or The Ultimates makes so much more sense to recommend to somebody that doesn't read comics versus Watchmen from, you know, 30 years ago. And the difference is um, Watchmen is so robust and, and long-winded and just, just thick with exposition and dialogue to the point of almost being somewhat of a chore to read. And we don't live in that world anymore. We don't have that kind of attention span. We need instant gratification. We need stuff to move fast. Like, look at movies. Look at how they're different today. Like, your your summer blockbuster today versus maybe one from, you know, the late 80s or early 90s. There, there was way more emphasis on pacing and storytelling, whereas today it's just, like, punch you in the face as soon as you, you know, start. Same with comics. Although... I personally like the faster-paced comics better because sometimes I get a little sleepy when I read, uh, and if it's not moving, then I can find myself starting to doze. Um, but not with a book like The Walking Dead, not with a book like The Ultimates, or even um, The Long Halloween. You know, looking through, looking through this first Walking Dead trade, um, Charlie Adler has been the artist since issue seven. Since issue seven, but. Looking back at this first trade, like, and I like Charlie Adler's work. I I enjoy The Walking Dead. I will keep reading The Walking Dead, but I kind of wish Tony Moore, Tony Moore, yeah, Tony Moore stayed on this book. Like, I really fucking like this artwork. Tony Moore has really I love his facial uh, expressions, yeah, that's the what angles I was say. he uses. Um, yeah, it has really, a little more really uh, like car stuff. cartoony bend to it. Oh, much more, much more. Yeah, his style is. I didn't want to. Very, I know how. How you took my use of cartoony last week, so I don't want to... You know what, Ian? I don't get hung up on shit. I need to remember <laughs> what we're talking about, but apparently it stayed with you and you've been stewing for seven full days. I don't either, but I wasn't paying attention last week. That's true. Yeah, the artwork in this... I hope really... that sticks with you for next episode, too. Maybe. Yeah, like, you know, I, I haven't even flipped through this first Walking Dead trade in, a lo in years. Years. And now I'm kind of bummed that Tony Moore left that book. Like, I really fucking what? like that stuff. What happened? Do we know what happened? Was it just he didn't want to hang around on the book? I or was there some. I think Tony Moore had the chops to keep up with a monthly schedule. I, I've never seen him do like a full year's run on a book. Maybe yeah. he has. Maybe he did a long run on The Exterminators, the Vertigo book from DC. 
You probably remember. No. I don't. Um, no, You worked on Was that. it good? Would you recommend it uh, to he, a yeah, uh, I actually more would. loon belt wearing comic <laughs> reader? Yes, I would. Yes, I would. It was different. It was about exterminators. They killed... Like straight up exterminators? Kind of, yeah. It was actually kind of <laughs> cool. It was, Who wrote that? Um, I don't know. I'll look yeah. it up. You have it? I, I do. I, I have the... three trade paperbacks of it. Bring it over. Uh, I will. It. Big fan of but, varmint um, extermination. <laughs> but, I mean, I sort of feel like all three of us at this table has recommended The Walking Dead to somebody that didn't read comics, and they read it, and they liked it, and they wanted to read more. Am I right? Yeah. Right. I didn't even... I wasn't interested in this at the time. Um, my girlfriend at the time was started getting that, and I was like, yeah, it was black and white bullshit. But I sat down and like started thumbing through the first one, and I was like, holy this is really this is really good it's, and then I want to burn it through burn it through the rest of them it's to the point now where you I, I haven't recommended this as much as I have had my friends come up to me and say hey I already got this and this is amazing uh, I love The Walking Dead is there, are there more things like this out there um, what you know how far are you into it when did you get into it I've had that conversation more where people already sought out the book. I'm sure it's from the TV show or just general zombie love. Well, we, we, we work with a girl that's really into The Walking Dead. And there's, like, it's been, I feel like I'm so far behind. Well, I read these old Walking Dead books so long ago that I don't remember stuff in the show. And she'll be like, oh, yeah, when this happened... In last week's episode, it was just like when this happened in the book. But the time frame in the in the trades is so far behind where they are now. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Like flipping right. through this now, I, like I didn't remember Morgan was in the first trade. Yeah. So. And Shane dies in spoiler everybody sweet. in the first trade, which. R.I.P. In... <laughs> Long live Shane. Oh, he's back. In Hell's oh. Kitchen already, yeah. so. Paul, are there uh, some other recommendations that you would have for a hungry but unknowing comic book fan? Yes. I would recommend Brian Michael Bendis and Mark Bagley's Ultimate Spider-Man run. Um, only, I think only issues 1 to 100. Um because Bagley to, stops drawing it after that. Uh, maybe it's not. Maybe it's not one. Stuart Eminem comes in after that though, and he's a pretty quality artist of yeah. Star Wars fame. Uh, volume Volume twenty two of trade paperback. So volumes one through twenty two. That's the natural cutoff point of Bendis' story. After that, Marvel tried to relaunch ultimate spider-man and they did some weird things but the story from one from beginning to end is volumes one through 22 and i mean brian michael bendis is the writer and mark bagley they were on point for this i'm sure unlike like walking the art from walking dead the story there's a timeless quality to it same with long halloween Uh, tim sells art in long halloween I, i i think breaks definition of the time frame um and mark bagley's you're probably going to look back on ultimate spider-man at some point and be like oh that's that's a 2000s book absolutely uh, but the story's so strong taking it from taking it from scratch everyone knows the how peter parker became spider-man uh but this really starts things from the beginning retells the entire story of him and Gwen Stacy and Mary Jane and Harry and Green Goblin and everything and it it builds everything up in a really nice tight universe uh, you get different cameos eventually from you know the X-Men and Daredevil and the whole series is just it's it's a lot of fun and there are some really heavy emotional beats in there too uh, done so well by by the creative team uh, you know that's a those guys working together on that book, they were simpatico. I mean, they were in each other's fucking brains the entire time that they, they, they were working on that. And it's a fun, accessible story. Um, it exists in the same world that Ian's recommended Ultimates exist in. 
but it's something that can be taken all by itself and you can just read those spider-man books and you know bendis eventually gets you know gets a little too big for himself and you know everything starts to sound like bendis and the other work that he's done but this is the this is the story that really put his name on the map that really made him comic book royalty and this was before he started bleeding into everything that he wrote um, there are still defined characters um, Mary Jane sounds like Mary Jane she doesn't sound like Bendis you know, Peter sounds like Peter not Bendis like this is really I think this is his his best work I, I don't think he's gonna top it because it's it's long and it's epic and it has so many ups and downs throughout the entire run just a great story well the mission statement for that book and for the ultimates that I recommended as well is was for them to create accessible stories that's what the ultimate universe was to update the Marvel universe and make it something that new fans and new readers would want to latch on to right. and I think that Marvel hit hit the ball out of the park with both of those selections so so you had uh, Ultimate Spider-Man on your list here tonight, Ian? I, I mean, I would definitely recommend that. It wasn't on my list, but I figured that that would come up. Yeah, it was actually second on my list. Mm -hmm. um, what I wanted to add... Oh, look at Matt and I, twinsies tonight. I know, right? Everything that Paul said is accurate. Uh, but what I want to add is the reason why I think it's so accessible, it's accessible to guys and girls, I think, it because it includes kind of like that almost teenage angsty kind of uh, angle to it on top of, you know, capes and tights. So it kind of appeals to both girls and guys. Like you have kind of the drama that maybe girls might be drawn to, but you have the action and the superhero stuff that guys would be into. And it kind of, it, it walks that delicate, that delicate balance between the two flawlessly for those first hundred issues. They're great. And what it does so well is it takes tried and true storylines that have existed in Spider-Man for 40 years before this book, and it just updates them. It makes them accessible to a new audience. And it's so refreshing to see Spider-Man done so well. It was this story that actually catapulted some of the things that we saw in the film. Uh, the first Spider-Man movie, because this, the Ultimate Spider-Man predates Sam Raimi's Spider-Man by about a year, year and a half, somewhere in there. I was assume two thousand and one is that when Ultimate Spider-Man came I think out. So. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. And then it was two thousand two, May of twenty o two, when uh, the movie came out. They took a lot of that. Was there Oscorp and those kind of things that ran through Ultimate Spider-Man that kind of played themselves out in that Raimi movie. Yeah. I, I remember at the time I had a major issue with what they were doing with the Green Goblin initially because I was like, he's a fucking Hulk, what the hell? Because he was like this big dumb behemoth. Yeah, and I was like, that is not the Green Goblin. Yeah. But he totally became the Green Goblin. It was very cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Matt, that was a really good point about uh, being accessible to guys and girls because, and like, yeah, it's Spider-Man and the story's about Peter Parker. But Bendis and Bagley kind of tell the story in an ensemble way. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Gwen Stacy and Mary cast. Jane and Norman Osborn and even Aunt May. Like, they have such huge roles to play in the story. It's not just Peter. There's a real ensemble quality about it. So, yeah, that's that would be my, my second recommendation. I'll tell you what. if I don't know who's listening to our show tonight that hasn't read comic books before. But holy shit, they're going to get such a great list of things to check out when we're done here tonight. I'd be really interested uh, for some feedback on this. If any of you out there that don't read comic books or that you do read comic books and you haven't read any of the things that we're bringing up tonight, let us know. Uh, hit us up on Facebook or send us a tweet. We always answer those. And let us know what you think about some of our recommendations. Ian, what do you got for us? Uh, I'm going to go with, um, similar to Matt's pick of The Walking Dead, something that you don't need a lot of knowledge of comic book history to enjoy. It's not a superhero story by any means, although it's 
in my opinion, going through these lists and looking at recommendations of things, this writer is probably my favorite current comic book writer. Brian K. Vaughn's Why the Last Man. Why the Last Man, it's a similar story of apocalypse where in The Walking Dead there's, there's a zombie apocalypse. More horrifically in Why the Last Man is the woman apocalypse where <laughs> all... The woman apocalypse. That's... The womocalypse. Let's add the sauce. <laughs> if you thought that well, if all the, the undead... Coming back to life and trying to eat your brains was scary. Just think about oh, th- th- being the last man. You and your fucking monkey. You know what the I last call that? male. I call that heaven. <laughs> well, sir, I know. I would say that you haven't read this, but I know better than that. In this story, Earth has <laughs> it's, lost its entire it's terrifying. It's its entire male population, <laughs> except for. The main character, Yorick, and his monkey, Ampersand. And we get to find out what happens whenever girls truly do run the world. Uh, what's the What's the real world tagline? I don't know. What? Who? Something, something, and starts getting real? Uh, oh, the real world. Oh, yeah. uh, when people stop being polite and start getting real. That's why the last man. Uh, it's written by Brian K. Vaughn, illustrated by Pia Guerrera. Um, Pia Guerra? Guerra? Is it Guerra? Yeah, Pia, I think it's Guerrero. Pia Guerra. Yeah, yeah, trill those R's. I can't yeah. do it. Yeah. I mean, Daddy can play with his tongue, but he can't trill R's. Oh, how, how dare you. Uh, like I said... Keeping it classy here on the McSauce Comic Book hey, Podcast. Hey, I'm paying attention, you assholes. Well, maybe... <laughs> what do you want from me? You want clean or you, you want attentiveness? It's a it's the kind of comic book story that I always like a I like open-ended stories but I kind of have grown to appreciate those runs where you get a, a beginning, a middle and an end. Yeah, it's I 60 agree. 60 issues you get the whole story when you finish the story you don't feel like there needs to be anything else. I don't feel like there was anything left out in modern comic books now. Especially we see on social media, there's always this cry for, you know, repurposing heroes and making them changing their their ethnicity or changing their gender. Well, this book has a lot of great female and ethnic characters in it. York's sister hero is a really great character. Agent uh, 355 is a really great character. The bodyguard that protects Yorick uh, begrudgingly at first, but then has a really great arc to her uh to her character um yeah this is a book that i need to go back and read again amazing amazing story and yeah i love uh i, I love the artwork in it but I, I i love that it's there's a definitive beginning and an end yeah that you can give someone this entire run and they will be satisfied and unlike the long halloween which has a bit of an ambiguous end where you know the reader gets to put some things into place themselves uh this has a it, it has an ending it's very satisfying it, it you don't feel like there's anything that was left left uh, to the side um brian k vaughn for my money is the best what the best writer of women in comic books and if that's something that's important i know that's something that's important to us here to hear the voice of women i think that it rings true in this comic book. And I, I know you guys are looking at me silly, but I'm being serious here. I was being <clears throat> hyperbolic earlier. Well, like, I always feel like... Like, the the statement, Brian K. Vaughn as the best writer of women. Like, shouldn't Gail Simone or, um, like, Just Amy because- Chu... Or you know Marjorie Lou be like the best writer of just women, because the they're women. just because Wouldn't they're they have a, woman? a better perspective on that. I enjoy Brian K. Vaughn's. I love women Brian better. K. Vaughn. I I love Brian. I, he hasn't written anything that I haven't loved. Um, but yeah, it, it, I don't know. It's probably some you know political talk that's out of my depth. <laughs> so if if there was something out there that and I know. 
This is actually also a recommendation for Matt, because I know that you've never read this, Matt. I think that you would enjoy this story. I think I would, too. Let me ask you something, Ian. What is uh, Brian K. Vaughn writing right now that, that makes you say he's, like, your favorite writer right now? Saga is what he's writing right Saga's now. Saga's the thing for you right now? Saga, he also wrote uh, the free comic book with Marcos Martin, Private Eye, that was... Yeah, that's a book. He also, something that you've brought up before, he wrote Pride of Baghdad, which mm-hmm. is really high quality. He's written The Runaways, which is awesome. Doctor Strange, The Oath. I mean, he's written a lot of really great stuff. And Saga is the current Saga thing. Saga is the, the thing, but, though. Yeah, um, he's not... It's, a, it's, a, it's a, a long history of work mm-hmm. that has culminated with Saga. Brian K. Vaughn isn't a guy that has his hands in a lot of different projects at once. Uh, he'll focus on one project. Yeah, whether it's you know six issue the oath story, or if it's a you know four volume why the last man. But when he's working on it, that's what he's working on. I want to read this. Uh, this to me seems much, much, much more interesting than Saga. Uh, it's very similar to Walking Dead. I say for anyone out there that has read The Walking Dead or enjoys Walking Dead TV show. Why the Last Man is a very similar, and I don't know if companion piece is a good thing, but it's very similar in tone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, We were talking at the top of the show, I asked, you know, would you recommend a story or a plot or what are the things? I would recommend Brian K. Vaughn's works overall as something, if somebody came to me and was wide open, tell me what are the best comic book stories out there, I would load them up with Brian K. Vaughn's stuff. Matt, did you have anything that you wanted to end the show on? Well, I did have two other uh, comics to talk about. I'll I'll get in depth on one and just mention the other one because we are kind of running out of time here. Uh, one I'll just quickly mention is Invincible. Uh, Invincible is written by Robert Kirkman, the guy that wrote The Walking Dead, so it's going to be a very character-driven piece of writing, but it's like, this is Robert- This recommendation brought to you by Image Matt. What was the first thing I mentioned? Walking, Walking Dead. 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 Then what? Oh, no, I did, Mar- I did Marvel with Spider-Man. Well, you agreed on my pick, but your two picks are image books. I'm not going to battle you oh, over your picks up. or anything <laughs> like that. I'm not battling. I, I think it's great, and I, I totally agree. Like, Invincible is a great fucking book. You should have given Invincible more of a try, Ian. I so, read six trades of it. I just didn't like it. So what? Should have kept going. Well, you, that's because you weren't new to comics. Otherwise, you would have liked it. Uh, because it is a very character-driven story. This is this is the guy that writes <clears throat> The Walking Dead. This is his version of doing the superhero story. It's kind of an amalgam of a Spider-Man and a Superman together, but done with that um, Walking Dead kind of edge where anything can and will happen. There are more twists and turns in the storytelling than and your it's typical. It's pretty adult. It's pretty adult, but at the same time, it still has like a lot of the things that the Ultimate Spider-Man has going for it, like that teenage angst and all the drama that goes along with it. But the superhero stuff. But the superhero stuff is is bigger in scope, I would say, than what goes on in Ultimate Spider-Man. It tells the, the personal story with the larger galactic it, right. overview. It, it's. I think it's actually kind of great. Like, the main character comes from a line of heroed beings whose dad is kind of like Superman to Earth. And, uh, boy, I, I kind of want to... No, 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 don't do it, because that's the crux of the story. And, anyway, it's... If you can, try to read a couple trades, because when you... What is it, the second or third trade? Shit just gets turned upside down. It's to be the third. I think it's the third. And, and... And when that happens, you're just like, oh my god, anything can happen in this book. And it, it's fantastic. It's violent, but like almost tongue-in-cheek, like because it's so over the top. Um, but anyway, I didn't... The one that I really want to talk about, um, this is like lightning round recommendations, is uh, Bone. Bone uh, by Jeff Smith is totally one of the most accessible comic books to a, a new reader because it... it First of all, it's got artwork 
that totally is accessible. It looks like Disney-style artwork, but it's in black and white. And it tells kind of a, a classic fantasy-type story, um, but it, it does it by injecting almost these... It's almost like telling, like... Um, it's like Lord of the Rings? Yeah, but, like, picture, like, trying to tell Cinderella, right? Like Disney's Cinderella, but then throwing Mickey Mouse characters in there as well. That's kind of what's going on here. There's this, like, cool juxtaposition of these, like, semi-overly cartoony type characters mixed in with, like, more, quote, real world. Um, and it takes place in this fantasy land, kind of like swords and sorcery and dragons. Not There's not, like, a whole lot of armies and knights and stuff so much as it is telling the story on a more, like rural scale if that makes sense and, and it's it's totally like silly you know remember like things like the great cow race where you know one of the main characters thorn her grandmother like would race against cows like and you hear about it for issues and issues and like, what the fuck is that and then you finally see it and it is literally grandma's running a race against cows it's just so silly but like yet accessible um Again, super quick read, super to the point, but the story, what I love about it is it ramps you up so it starts kind of small um, and easily digestible. By the time you get to the end, the scope and scale has gotten so big. It's turned into such a, it's very Lord of the Rings-esque. Yeah, it really, it really becomes this big fantasy epic. Yeah, but, but it never felt overwhelming. Oh, no. And, um... It, it's like out of anything I can think of in comics like it's it's the the property that hasn't been made into a movie that should be made into a movie um, it it's kind of a travesty that it hasn't happened yet because it would translate so well to a to an animated film but anyway that would be my recommendation bone by Jeff Smith he wrote it he drew it um, and it's different than like your typical comic book you know, it's not superheroes necessarily. Well, it's not at all, but... Um, and it's consistent the whole way through in terms of quality. Well, listeners, you've got some homework to do. We've laid out... the Probably the best marijuana comics that you're going to get. The gateway drug to the hardcore stuff. You're going to get super high. Ian, don't you have a Pineapple Express here to share with the audience? I do, I do. Why don't you rattle off a couple real quick? I know that we're we're running short on time. Uh, Lightning round, uh, DC's The New Frontier, uh, DC's Batman Earth One, Marvel's Punisher Max by Jason Aaron and Steve Dillon. Folks, that's the second volume in case you were wondering. And DC's All-Star Superman by Grant Morrison and Frank Tyler. Well, that was about four books. Which, if you had to pick oh, one oh, of them... Oh, do I have more of them? No, you here? don't, but no, um, no. if you had to pick one of those four, which one are you going to tell folks to try first? Uh, I would say try DC's The New Frontier. It is all of the DC's recognizable heroes set in the golden era of comic books, classic heroes. All takes place during World War II. Uh, right. right after World War II, all the optimism of that post-war era. Um, the, the characters are at their most pure. Written and drawn by Darwin Cook. Who you would maybe recognize some of the artwork. He was the storyboard artist on Batman's The Animated Series, so it kind of harkens back to that classic stuff. So that would be my last recommendation. Lots of homework to take home, uh, lots to look up, and like I, I stand by every book we talk about tonight. Um, now I don't think any of us said anything that we really rolled our eyes at. So uh, listen to this podcast, make some notes. I hope you were making notes. If not, rewind and make some notes. This time. If you ever want more recommendations, we're some chatty ass bitches. Get in contact with us on Facebook or Twitter and we, we will talk your fucking ear off. We are chatty ass bitches. <laughs> I had a nipple for every time I was called a chatty ass bitch. That's gonna do it for us tonight. My name is Paul McGinty. Ian Sharpley. Back is out. We'll see you next time.
We did it over. No. We don't. We got to do that over. Oh, god damn it. Okay, hold on.